So a couple weeks ago, um, I was away at a pastor's wives retreat. Katie came with me. Katie's actually, I think, is she down in B Kids Elementary today? Um, make sure you thank those who are serving, especially the ones that are moms that are serving on Mother's Day. I mean, you know, really when I think about it, like today should be the day that we are off. And <laughs> instead of working extra hard, this should be the day that we're like, Ooh, you know. But we did get away just a couple weeks ago. We went to a pastor's wives retreat. Katie came with me because if you know Katie, Katie is always up for an adventure. So she's ready for the party. She's ready for the fun. I, we laughed. I, at one point, I was laughing so hard that I had a bottle of water like this, and I spit it out on the floor. Um, so we're at this, wise re- at this pastor's wives retreat. I have to say, I think that... Um, we were the rebels of the group. But so it was me and it was Katie and, and Malia and Emily, Bals- Malia Holmes in Pikeville, Emily Balsamo, Chuck's wife. And so I texted Emily and Malia and I said, I've bought tickets to this pastor's wives retreat. You're going with me. And with great fear and trepidation, they agreed to just because they trusted me. And knew I wouldn't lead him totally down a a dark path. Emily called and she said, what are you doing to me? And I said, what do you mean? She said, a whole group of women for a weekend, much less pastor's wives? Is this like some kind of cry fest? I mean, what is this? But I knew, you know, when you get a bunch of people together, it's like a bag of chewy sweet tarts. I mean, some flavors are just better than others. And, and I, won't, I won't tell you which colors I like the best, but I will tell you this. There is one flavor in my favorite bag of Chewy Sweet Tarts that is left. As a matter of fact, I was driving down the road the other day, and I rolled down my window and tossed that flavor out the window because I had nowhere to put it, and I didn't want to put it back in the bag because, you know, I touched it at that point. So, But when you get a group of people together, it's kind of like a bag of chewy sweet tarts. You get all the flavors, all the personalities. And so I knew as crazy as it would be that God would still meet us there. And I knew we wouldn't regret the experience. And and we did it. We laughed. We cried. we, we, We ate. We had lots of fun. So that's why I'm working today because I did all that. But so on Saturday, we set a few hours aside just to be alone. And I was excited just to be alone with my thoughts. Now, some people like that and some people don't, um, but I like that. So I knew we were in this beautiful location and there was the water out in front of me and I found the quietest spot on, the, on a bench by myself and I just sat there. And after I kind of let my mind settle, you know when you get alone, it takes a while to stop thinking about all the things that we think about. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about, oh, you know, the wind and the birds and the boat and the trees and, you know, oh, there's ants. And like your mind, it takes so long to settle down, especially when you run at a really quick pace. And so as I'm sitting there, I finally start to settle, join the scenery, kind of settle into my thoughts. And the Holy Spirit brought up this scripture to me in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. 
And I've had some thoughts and some things in my life where hope has been postponed. Has anybody ever been in a place where hope has been postponed? I mean, you know, there are some things in my life that I like to be postponed. For instance, a colonoscopy, postponed. A visit to the dentist, postponed. Excuse me, Aaliyah, I love you, but still, don't like to go to the dentist. A difficult meeting, postponed. You all know I'm a peacemaker. I can't stand to have difficult conversations. Tax day, that's another day, postponed. I mean, these are things that I like to postpone, but the good stuff, I mean, the fun stuff, the meaningful stuff, the stuff that I'm hoping for, I do not like to wait. I want to enjoy the fruit of my labor. I want to enjoy life. And so when there is this moment of postponing, I get very frustrated. And I think that's why Proverbs said that hope deferred or hope postponed makes the heart sick. Have you ever waited on something so long that you actually feel like you could get sick? So a couple months ago, I started thinking about today because that's how long ago I had to start thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to speak on Mother's Day. <laughs> and, and God dropped this in my spirit. He said, Stephanie, you are capable. I said, yes, I am capable. And I thought, yes, this is what I want all the moms, really everybody in here to know. You, you are capable you are capable to do everything that God has put in your life. I don't question that at all. And I thought, yes, yes, that's it, God. Yes, everyone in the room, I want to look at them and I'm say, you are capable. You've got this. I mean, how many times have you looked at somebody and said, I can do that. I've got this. And so we are very capable, but yet in our capability, we also come into this tension of I'm capable, but my heart is sick because hope has been postponed to a later time and I want my stuff now. So I'm capable, how can, in my capability and in my ability, how can I make this thing that I want happen? Because I can do this. So God said, Stephanie, you are capable. So I said, yes, I am capable. And he said, but I am able. So capability means to take hold of something. It's the ability to hold much. It's capacity, a broad capacity. Now I thought, as I'm reading this, the, it, the, inner, or the, the definition of it, I thought, yes, I have capability. I have ability, I have broad ability. I mean, I have expanse of ability. There are things that I can do. And then while I'm sitting on the bench, watching the water, the sun is shining. It's like God just went, yes, you do have great capability, but that is also one of your greatest weaknesses. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's the quiet time. God's going to speak to me. And this is what he said. He said, when I do not let go of my limited control and ability over a situation and release my capabilities, then I do not give him permission to release his unlimited ability. 
Because when I'm capable, I take hold of something. When he is saying, I need you to let go of something and release it. And I'm like, okay, God, I get that. But I'm still not sure how do I do that. So he reminded me that when my capability is rooted in the confident expectations found in the word of God, and we know that the word of God is what? It's active and it's powerful. It's living. When, I, when my capability is rooted in the active and powerful word of God, then the limited supply of my capability shifts to the endless supply of his ability. So I move from I am capable to he is able. So once again, I'm like, geez, I am still learning. I am still learning how to release things to him. Because when I release things to him, that is more important than my ability. See, we got to understand that release is more important for faith because as long as you're holding on to the problem, you are not giving God permission to touch it. It's like a child with a toy. They hang on to that thing like, if I let go of this, I'm never going to get anything better. And they hold on, and they clench down their, their knuckles over that toy, and they are not letting go. But you know as the parent, if you would just let go of that thing, I have something better for you. But we hold on to the things in our life that we want to control. And God is saying, until you let go, I cannot move in your situation. So when you walk with God, that doesn't mean that if you're going through trouble, it might not be a lack of your faith that got you in this situation. But... It is the strength of your faith that's going to get you out. John 11 gives us this story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I'm going to just kind of use this story as a backdrop today for an understanding, to strengthen our understanding of faith and how we shift from our ability or our capability to his ability. Because even when he said this to me, I'm like, okay, God, okay, so I'm going to release, I'm going to shift, but like, how, how do I do that? Because faith without works is dead, right? So I can't just lay in bed and go, okay, it's all going to be better in the sweet by and by. I'm just going to give it to Jesus, and he's just going to swoop in and take care of everything. I mean, we all know it doesn't happen that way. So when he told me, I need you to release it, to let go of it, to move into my ability, I still didn't understand, God, okay, how do I do that? I need you to give me the steps. So he took me to the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And and it's interesting because in John 11, we're going to start in that part of the story. But what's interesting about this is that Jesus and Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they had relationship. They were friends. Like they did life together. So when this happens in John chapter 11, we see that they had relationship before the crisis started. So the first point I want to talk to you about is relationship. It's important 
who your relationships are with and how your relationships are developed. This is one way that we shift from our capability to his ability. You see, too many times we begin to exercise faith with the God that we don't have relationship with, coming to him while in dire need and in perilous circumstances, asking God, get us out of this crisis, but without the infrastructure of relationship, it becomes tricky at best. I think about the story of the widow woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. Her husband had died. She had two sons. So here she is. What am I going to do? I'm a widow woman. I have two sons. She had debts that had to be paid. The creditors were coming, and they said, we'll take your two sons, and they can pay off your debt. So because she had relationship with the prophet, Elisha comes over, and she says, what do I do? And he says, well, what do you have in the house? She said, I I have nothing but one jar with oil in it. So he says to her, go borrow containers from all your neighbors, empty them out, not just a few, then go and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the oil you have into all the containers. And then when all the containers were full, she said to her son, bring another, but there were none left. Then the oil stops. So she comes back to Elijah. She says, well, now what do I do? And he says, go and sell the oil and pay off your debt. It's important to have people in your life who trust your character and understand what you're about. Because people invest in things that they trust. So here's the widow woman. She's knocking on doors to ask for jars or containers to put oil in. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to just walk out my front door and start walking down the street and knocking on the doors of the people that I have never met in my life, but I've lived there 10 years, and ask them for an extra container because there's no relationship So they're not going to trust that I'm going to bring the container back to them. So clearly the widow woman was in community. Clearly she had relationship with people that she could go to them and say, hey, can I borrow this container? So not only do we see it's important to have a relationship with Jesus and the infrastructure of that relationship but also a relationship with the people around us because miracles begin with relationship. Now back to Mary and Martha. So they sent for Jesus. Lazarus is sick. They sent for Jesus and he hasn't quite come yet. And what I think is interesting, and you can go to John 11 and read the whole passage today, but Jesus actually purposefully waited. Now that just ticks me off. Because there are things in our life that Jesus holds back on intentionally. That's just not even fair. But sometimes while you're waiting on God, stuff dies. See, when you've done everything you know to do and you've sent for God to come and he doesn't seem to know that you are on a deadline, and your hope has been postponed and bad has gone to worse. And when things don't go as planned, what do you do? Then you release those things. Hmm. 
And that's the second part. See, release is the stage where you simply let go. Now, it's not like the frozen, you know, like, let it go, let it go. It's like, I'm letting this thing go. I have tried. There's nothing that I can do, so I'm going to release it. I've done all I can do. I've run out of resources. I've run out of solutions. I've released it, and it's over. It's God, I'm handing it over to you. How many of you, your mom's ever looked at you and go, I can't do nothing with you. I'm washing my hands of this situation. So when I talk about release, this is the kind of release that I'm talking about. That's what they did with Lazarus. Mary and Martha said, we can't heal him. We can't fix him. We've prayed about it. We asked Jesus to come. He didn't come. He's gotten worse. So now we release him. And when they released him over into the hands of God, they did it by burying him. They buried the dead man. They put him in a cave and they rolled a stone in front of it. Because that's how we manage messes that we can't fix. We roll the stone in front of it. It's a cover-up. Now, some of you look at me like, what? And I'm looking at you going, now tell me. I know everyone in this room have covered some stuff up in your lifetime. Because you've rolled the stone in front of it. And there's many, many things in life that you've done. You've done all you know to do. You've believed as far as you've known to believe. You've been waiting so long that it's starting to stink. Hope has been postponed. Your heart is sick. And so for survival's sake, you roll the stone so you can go on. We can't leave Lazarus sitting on the couch. He's dead. He stinks. So we've learned to live with this contradiction in our lives. Something in your life that you don't want anyone to know about. Just Friday night, I said, it's going to be a healthy day. So it's salads and it's orange theory. And by 8.30, I was in the car driving to Freshies to get a Sunday. Some things you just cover up. And, 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 and you know, somebody in my house um, can be holy all day eating salads and grilled chicken. Until about midnight. See, one morning I got up and I thought, we must have mice. Because I know that we cleaned up the kitchen after dinner. But there are crumbs everywhere. <laughs> Let's go back to Mary and Martha. They couldn't understand why Jesus didn't come in time. You know, when we live under crisis and we live in a state of ongoing stress, we have to roll the stone in front of our stinking, stressful situations. 
And when that happens, all of a sudden, inside of us, the things that we've been pushing aside start to come out. The stress, the anxiety, the attitude, all that stuff begins to happen. Because we, you know, when stress happens, we don't always bring our best to the situation. And so when the stinking things happen and you release it in a stressful, frustrated way, like I've washed my hand of this, God, I've prayed, I've waited, Jesus, I called for you, my friend, to come and you have not come. We start to get a little attitude, don't we? Like, where are you, God? Martha said this in John 11, Jesus If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Clearly, they'd been kind of talking to each other about this because then Mary repeated the same thing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But in the middle of this situation, when they're waiting on it, Martha got a revelation. And that's the next thing you need. A revelation. So after relationship... And after you've released it and rolled, released it, then and rolled the stone in front of it, you've covered it up. Now you need revelation because in the middle of all this stress, in the middle of their brother dying, she says, even now, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Martha had enough of a relationship with Jesus to know that he could perform a miracle. She had enough relationship with Jesus to know that he was able, even though it made no sense, she stepped back and said, wait a minute, this is crazy. My brother has been dead for four days. He stinks. But even now, you see, when you have done everything, that you know to do, everything that you are capable within your wide expanse of abilities, you have tried everything. It's not too late for God, even now. I still believe God. I still believe that he is able to do what I cannot do. I still believe that even now, you have the power to raise Lazarus up. I still believe that in the second half of my life, it's going to be better than the first half of my life. I still believe that the best is yet to come. I still believe that we as a congregation and as a family of Bethel will fulfill everything that God ordained from the very foundation of the world for us to accomplish, to be difference makers. I still believe, even in the midst of of what seems to be crazy, even in the midst of your saying, man, I I don't even know if I can just get to church today. I don't know if I can make it to work on Wednesday morning. I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this situation. I don't know how. I'm telling you, even in that place of desperation and frustration, God can work a miracle. The challenge is this, to take the faith. We are a faith church. I bet if I asked you, you start quoting scriptures on faith, 
in this entire congregation, you will begin to quote scriptures on faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, my confident expectation. You, you have it inside of you. But the challenge is, is to take the faith that you've got in here, in your heart, in your spirit, and take it to the place that stinks. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do because in this moment, there is a peace that comes in quitting. You got to hear what I'm saying here. Releasing it, just, I quit. I waited. God didn't show up. I don't see a solution. So I'm done. And let me tell you, there's been some things in my life where it's like when, when the stress and the anxiety is so intense that the moment that it's like done, it's like a thousand pounds is lifted off. It's like, yes, I'm done. I'm moving on. The problem sometimes in moving on, and not always, sometimes that is God's plan. But when we move on and there's still something over here in the tomb that we have covered up and we move on, God can't build a beautiful garden over dead, stinky soil. But sometimes it feels good to quit. Because then I'm not expecting anything. Nothing extra, because I don't want the pain of expectation. Sometimes it feels good to quit, and then you don't want it anymore. You've resolved in your mind that things are not going to get any better, and that's just how it is. And even though you are amening me today, you are just as uncomfortable with this message as, as I am. It bothers me because there are some things that I don't want to stir up again. There are some things that God has to give me discernment on to know what do I go back to. Jesus was saying, show me where you laid him down. Show me where you rolled the stone in front of that dead thing. You've got to go back to the stone. You have to roll it back to create a space for restoration. And that's another step, restoration. Because God cannot restore if you are not willing to roll it back and dare to believe again. They roll the stone back on the stinky stuff. Roll the stone back on unforgiveness and on hate and on offense and on that broken relationship, on the debt, on the sickness, on the addiction. God is saying, will you roll the stone back because you think you've covered it up, but he knows that you can't go forward and move forward if you're still covering it up. It 
takes faith to roll the stone away on your issue. And you'll never get restoration until you're willing to confront the ugly stuff in your life. Now, Jesus wants to do something. He finally shows up on the scene. Mary and Martha are like, really? Hey, good to see you, man. Because we've been calling you for days now. He looks at them and says, where have you laid him? She says, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. You know, you are the only one that can take Jesus to the place where you gave up. You are the only one that has the authority to direct the living word of God to the place where you quit. I can't take you there. I can come to your house. We can sit together. We can have a meal together. But I can't take Jesus to where you quit. Only you can take him to the places that you have covered up. And that, my friend, is not easy. Mary and Martha brought Jesus the living word down to the burial spot. And Jesus walks right up to the tomb and calls Lazarus by name to restore him. In verse 43, he cries out. It's interesting that scripture says it this way, with a loud voice. Say it out with loud. Say that word, just loud. Lazarus, come out. Because here's what I know in my life. When there are things that I do not want to deal with, and when I feel like the pressure is so intense, the first thing that the enemy takes is voice. I no longer feel like I have voice in a situation. And so it's interesting to me that when Jesus got to the tomb, that he, he walked up to it, and he kind of says this whole little thing. It's kind of funny, like, yeah, you know, I could go in, and I could do this, and I don't really even have to be here, God. And, you, and Father, you know that. But for their sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perform this miracle. He doesn't walk in quietly and pray over Lazarus and pull him out of his state of death. He just stands at the front of it. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Why does scripture tell us that he used a loud voice? Because I think he wants us to know that sometimes when we are facing the things that we've got buried in a cave somewhere and it stinks and we don't even want to talk about it. From this scripture, he's telling us, you have to take the word there. I can't do it for you. You take scripture, just you and Jesus. Go into that spot. And you speak to the situation in a loud voice. I don't know what that thing is for you. But you know what that thing is. 
and you speak in a loud voice to that situation and you put the living word of God on that pain and that thing that stinks because until you speak it out and you bring Jesus to the place of your pain, you can never be restored. Because only Jesus has the ability to bring dead things back to life. God wants to give you what life took from you. If you can get the courage to confront the stinky stuff, God will give you life again. But he can't plant a garden on diseased ground. When Jesus starts calling Lazarus, there's nothing in the tomb but silence. No noise in the tomb. And he just speaks out loud to death. You see, radical faith that stands up in the face of screaming silence. You have to speak louder than the silence. Because silence screams when you're waiting to hear something and you don't hear any good noise. The silence is deafening. Hope postponed. It's deafening. You're out on a limb and everybody's looking at you. Now, Jesus wasn't nervous, but I get nervous. I mean, he waited four days just to make the miracle that much better. He has confidence that I do not have. I would have been like, okay, let's, let's get this done. Is there still a heartbeat? Let's start praying. Let's, let's see what we can do. And Jesus says, oh, no, let's just get it good. And, and see, that's what happens sometimes in our life and our stuff when hope has been postponed. He's just sitting back and saying, oh, let's just wait a while. Let's just wait till it stinks a little bit more. And you're over here going, don't you know, God? Like, there is no heartbeat. It is dead. I mean, this thing stinks. It is, it is gone far beyond my human capability. And he's saying, of course, I'm behind your human capability. That's exactly why I let it just go and go and go. Because now you can shift out of your capability into my unlimited ability. But trusting him enough to take him to that spot. I mean, there's, there's been some things that I, you know, I'm dragging him over. Yeah, yeah, God, there's, there's this thing over here. Shh, I don't want anybody to know about it. I know you don't know the God who knows everything. I know you don't see the God who sees everything. I know you don't know any of this God, but okay, I'm going to let you in on a secret. (laughs) These games that we play, Like he doesn't know all and see all things, but he still cannot move until we give him the authority to move in our life. 
So when we come to Jesus, just like Lazarus in the tomb, he comes, Lazarus is, Lazarus is in the tomb, he calls him out, and all of a sudden, it's quiet. The silence is deafening. Standing at the opening of the grave, they hear something. And Mary looks and says, did you hear that? Martha looks at her like, I, I don't know. I, I don't see anything. You see, I haven't seen anything. But I've heard the voice of my father. And I don't walk by sight. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So just because I don't see Lazarus walking out of the tomb, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I, I hear my father speaking. I hear something happening. But I still don't see. Mary and Martha look at each other, and there, there's a whole crowd. You know, I, 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 sometimes in our life, there's a whole bunch of people watching us, and other times, it's just me and Jesus. I prefer the me and Jesus thing, because it makes it that much yuckier when it's everybody watching, like, what are you going to do, Jesus? You know, what's going to happen here? So they hear something happening. And then they see, <laughs> this is crazy, Lazarus hopping out of the tomb. I mean, come on, this is crazy. He was tied up, but he was still coming out. You see, when you take Jesus to your dead, stinky places, you are still tied up, but you're coming out. You still have some remnants of things that you're working on and that Jesus is still working through on, and that's okay. That's why I love a church like this that says, we are not perfect. And if you're perfect, you may want to find another church. But then you'll mess it up because you're not perfect. But you don't know that yet. You'll figure that out. But that's the, what I love about community. Because we can look at each other and go, you're just coming out, aren't you? It's okay. You're still hopping into church on Sunday morning, trying to get those grave clothes untied. And that's okay. But when we can create a safe harbor or a safe space to go, that's okay. And sometimes, you know, you just got to laugh about it like, yeah, you're still, <laughs> I get it. It's okay. Because what we do know is this. You're no longer laying dead. You've been raised up. And you've shifted from your capability to God's ability because you can't take all that stuff off yourself. Somebody has to do that for you. <laughs> I, I know what you're thinking. The same thing that I have thought a 
thousand times. I've used rationale. I tried to exercise my faith. I quoted scripture. I got up in the morning and quoted my affirmations. And these are the things that are going to happen. And God, you said this. Deuteronomy 28. And it didn't work. Yet. And I buried it. I'm done waiting on this. Now here comes God. Trying to get us to believe again. What hurt last time? That's really what separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls. There are people who go, are going to church everywhere today. They say they're believers. But until you can take what you've been taught and bring it to the place that you gave up, you will never see the greatness that God has prepared for you. That is not easy. We could quote, 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 speak, 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 speak. But in, until we're willing to say, okay, God, here it is. It's over here. He can't restore. I believe God for change. I stand on his promises with you and for you. I stand on the word with you and for you. And I set myself in agreement to watch God move supernaturally in your life because I know that he can. And it's just like months ago when God spoke to me and said, you are capable, but I am able. He helped me understand that relationship with Jesus is number one. I can quote all the scriptures I need to, I can pull out the word, but if there is no relationship, then there's no connection. So Jesus is number one, but God also puts people in your life that will go, I get it, it's okay. He will put people in your life. And there are some things that we have to release from our, unlimited, from our limited capability into his unlimited ability. And when you've done all you can to stand, step back and roll the stone in front of that thing that is dead. Because remember, you can't leave Lazarus sitting on the sofa. Once you've laid that thing down, then... Look for the revelation. Even now. Even now, God, I know you can. Even now, I know you are able. But first, I had to lay it down. And then remember that he is in the business of restoration. What this world has taken from you, God can restore. He can restore your life. He can restore your passions. He can restore your vigor. He can restore your joy. But he can't put a garden on dead ground. So before you ask him for roses and pansies, you've got to go back 
and allow him to restore those things. Now, there are some things in your life that you have to let go of, and that's okay. But as long as he's healed that spot, then the garden can go there. But if you're leaving those things dead and dying, and like Martha said, Lord, it stinks. And I've got the stone in front of it because it smells so bad. When there's things in your life that smell so bad, you don't want anybody, like a teenage boy's bedroom, don't want anybody to go in there. Just stay out, just keep the door shut. When you have those things in your life, then you're not giving God permission to move. So what if we were willing to move from our limited capability to God's unlimited ability. Are you willing to take the steps, find the relationships, spend the time with Jesus to build that infrastructure in your life? Are you willing to just release it, put the stone in front of it, but then get the word and take it back to the place of pain? for full restoration.